Hello and welcome to Agents of Nonprofit. My name is Alexander Lapa, and I'm here to speak with everyday superheroes helping nonprofits. Joining me today is James Goldler from Bloomerang. James, welcome to the show. Hey, Alex. Great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. So, because I like to be very transparent with my audience, I just want to make sure people knew that I am, as you, some of you may know, I'm working mostly with the Salesforce CRM with nonprofits. And I know that it, Salesforce isn't the right CRM for all nonprofits. There's a, a generally a, an assessment that people go through to make sure that it is the right fit. And I've noticed that for smaller ones and for sometimes uh, nonprofits that have different needs, when Salesforce is not a good fit, uh, I am now able to recommend Bloomerang because I've had some demos of the application. I've had some conversations with the people there. And this is kind of like a, the podcast episode where we explore that a bit more and the reasons why I make that recommendation. So just want to make sure people were aware of that kind of relationship that we have. So James, for you specifically, what is your superhero origin story? That is to say, how did you get working? How did you get started working with nonprofits? Oh, uh, it's a good, good question. So right out of college, I uh, decided I wanted to uh, be a photographer. Uh, and a variety of reasons with, with all that. But the, the job that I could end up getting was working for Olin Mills. So if people think back to, uh, school pictures or family pictures, that sort of thing, I, I was one of those photographers that traveled around. Uh, and, and I did that for a while, ended up with a couple of different companies, finally ended up, uh, in their, in the church division. So I was working with, uh, with churches all across Virginia, where I live now. And, uh, uh, going in and taking pictures of their families and, and all kinds of fun stuff like that. Really enjoyed it. But with the advent of, uh, the iPhone and all of the wonderful advances that, uh, that Android and, and iOS have made pretty quickly saw that, uh, not a lot of people maybe were going to keep doing that family portraits. And, and so I decided I wanted to, maybe get into software and wanted something similar to what I was doing uh, because I knew a lot of the church management software at the time and for a lot of different reasons wanted to go in a slightly different route than that. Um, so I did some research, uh, found some review sites that spoke very, very highly of Bloomerang and uh, decided, uh, gosh, almost nine years ago now to make the jump over into uh, the nonprofit world. Um, and so with that, um, I've uh, just had a blast. Can't, can't say enough good things about the people who work in this world, uh, all of the amazing work that they do, and the fact that uh, we get to support them just a little bit, hopefully by making their jobs a little bit easier, um, is, is wonderful. Really helps, helps me anyway to get up out of bed in the morning and and be of service to these folks. So yeah, that, sorry, long story, but uh, it was kind of a winding route, but I couldn't be happier with where I am now. And it was just a matter of doing some research and learning about the organization that led you to have a conversation with them that attracted you? Like, was there anything specific about the organization that you said, wow, this is something special, something unique, or something that stands out about them versus anything else? Yeah, there were a couple of things. Uh, genuinely, the, the reviews were, were really glowing. And, and as I'm sure people know, that's not always the case. Uh, you know, sometimes people don't like the software that they've employed, uh, for all kinds of different jobs, not just donor CRMs. Uh, so I saw a lot of really positive reviews. And then I also went to the company website, 
uh, and there's a resources button. Uh, it's still there uh, nine years later, but it's expanded a great deal. And now there's a lot of additional resources that are available for nonprofits. And I was really impressed with the breadth of the information that was available for free. So there were webinars, uh, blogs, uh, you know, white papers, all kinds of downloadables that were all available for free across a broad range of topics. But as I started to explore them, what I really found was that uh, you could distill it down into fundraising best practices. So the idea that uh, this software was being designed by people who really were in and were from the nonprofit world was really appealing to me. Um, the idea that, oh, uh, you know, it looks like it's really easy to use. That's what the reviews say, that it's really easy to use. And they appear to have some fundraising best practices built in uh, from really notable industry experts who clearly know what they're talking about. Um, yeah, that was incredibly appealing. Um, and uh, it, it's been a joy to be a part of that and then to be able to contribute in some small bit. Uh, as my knowledge base has picked up and I've, uh, you know, become more aware of what's going on and uh, I've been able to contribute to that some. So, uh, yeah, I, I would say that resources section on our website um, was, like I said, a bit smaller at the time, but a big part of that as well, because it, it really showed the the credibility and the research and all of that that Bloomerang has done and, and been a part of. And I yeah, decided I wanted to be a part of that myself. I definitely want to get into the resources piece a bit later on, but before we do... I would like to paint a landscape of, you know, there's quite a few, I'm not sure how many exactly, but quite a few CRMs specifically built for nonprofits. Mm -hmm. And I was hoping you could just give me a, where does Bloomerang fit in that landscape? What is it that Bloomerang maybe does best or makes it stand out from other nonprofits, um, nonprofit CRMs, I should say? Sure. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. Um, having been with the company now for nine years and having watched the growth from uh, I think maybe 500 uh, nonprofit customers we had when I started to having 17 or 18,000 or whatever that number is now. Uh, it's been a lot of fun to watch the growth. And I think one of the reasons that we've been so successful is uh, we've kept things laser focused on, on two things uh, that come to mind. The first is ease of use. And I know that just about everybody says, oh, our platform's easy to use. And Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. Uh, and I think part of the reason that sometimes it isn't is because that phrase, easy to use, means different things to different people, right? So what's easy for you to use, Alex, may be a little bit harder for me to use and vice versa. I think uh, it's really important for anyone when they're evaluating software in this space particularly to really do a deep dive into multiple screens, get a sandbox account use if you can so that you can really get in there and test things out yourself and make sure that you're going to be comfortable with it. What I've come to realize is that if it's not easy for you to use and if it's not something that you get a little excited about, then you won't use it. So that's one of the other things that I'm most proud of at Bloomerang is our adoption rate is really high. Once people decide that, yeah, we're going to jump on board with Bloomerang, they end up using us a lot. 
because they get in there, they start to get their hands dirty and they start creating emails and they start really tracking their donor history and all that stuff. And then they find out, oh yeah, it really is easy to get in there and start using this stuff. Uh, so that's something that we're, we're really proud of. The second thing that I think we do really, really well is incorporate those uh, fundraising best practices. Um, so there are tools built into the system to make sure that uh, uh, nonprofits can get the most out of their fundraising um, by using those fundraising best practices. So, for instance, um, we have a tool right on the dashboard that shows first time donations and it's a prompt when someone logs in they see that hopefully they're going to see a list of of first time donors there hopefully they've gotten some some new first time donors so you see a list there with some prompts to make phone calls to those people and the reason that that prompt exists is because we did some research a while back that shows that when you make a phone call to a first time donor really, really good things happen. So the chance that that donor is retained and comes back and makes a second gift almost doubles. The speed to the second gift is almost cut in half. So in other words, it without a first time, without a, a donor being called after their first time donation, the, the second gift comes about three quarters of a year later with that phone call it comes about a third of the year later uh, so you get that second gift a whole lot faster uh, and then the size of the second gift goes way up and has almost doubled so again really good things happen when you make that that thank you phone call to donors so we put that reminder right there on the dashboard so that people won't forget um, so those things combined, along with a lot of other tools that are built into the system, I think really make us an excellent choice, especially for small and medium-sized nonprofits. Uh, we're, we're, we can be a great fit for, for larger nonprofits, too. We like to take that on a, on a case-by-case basis. We like to do a deep dive, look at your needs, look at what you need to get out of the system, all of that before we determine whether or not we're a good fit. But for an awful lot of small and medium-sized nonprofits were a really great fit because we don't require that you have to go and take a you know two-month-long learning class to be able to get set up and start running reports. Uh, you really should be able to do that on day one. Uh, so ease of use, those fundraising practices built in, I think really combined to separate us out from a lot of the a lot of the market in that small to medium-sized area. Going back to that ease of use comment, it, 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 that is such an overused term. And mm-hmm. it reminds me of in the real estate agency world, where when you see a property listed on any platform, it says in the heart of the city. And no matter <laughs> where in the city it is, it seems to always be in the heart of the city. And that always makes me smile. Uh, <laughs> and I think ease of use is also one of that kind of term where it's just everyone says, yeah, mine's easy to use. But I agree with your point is that What's easy for me isn't necessarily easy for somebody else because the way that I learn, you know, I like getting under the hood and poking around myself, whereas other people prefer reading the manual first or following some demos or so, yeah, I mean, there's always a balance of how to make it easy, easy to use across the board. So it sounds like you offer both possibilities. Like you have the ability of having a more of a um, formal approach versus mine, which is get, get your hands dirty approach. Is that, would you say that's true? I do. Yeah, I I think that's a a really good point. Um, I I think that we 
I know it's cheesy and, and people can roll their eyes, but we really do try to partner with the organizations who are potentially interested in Bloomerang. We really want to learn more about them. And that includes their evaluation style. So, uh, you know, we get RFPs from people where they just have giant pages of checklists and, and okay, we can, we can work with that. Uh, we, we have then people who come in and like you, like you were talking about, Alex, they want to dig right in and, and, you know, learn through getting into a sandbox and actually doing some things. Uh, and so we have suggested exercises that, that we can send to them so that they can see what it's like to create an email in Bloomerang or what it's like to enter in a donation or something like that. Um, and then we also have folks that, that want that demo, you know, and, and they want uh, they want to see someone show them how to enter a donation, run a report, set up an online giving form, whatever it is that they want to see. And, and so yeah, we try to be try to be flexible with all of that so that uh, however people are going to evaluate, we provide them with the opportunity to, to learn the system uh, and, and hopefully make a better, more informed decision. The fundraising best practices is a great, it, it, it seems like a small little thing and, and people might miss it as a, as a cool feature, but I, I do want to underline it because, and I can't help myself and I will try to refrain myself though as much as possible by comparing uh, Bloomerang to Salesforce, but Salesforce has that capability as well. You can perform the same kind of thing, but it's not out of the box. You have to know what you need to do first and then build it. So having it already built for you is a small little win, in my opinion, for people who don't need, who don't want to think, which is actually a really good thing. A user experience tells you you shouldn't have to get your users to think too much. They should just be able to use the application. So offering a small feature like, hey, call these people because I just gave a donation, because and there are best practices behind it, to me is a really small but important win. Maybe physically capable or technically capable in other platforms, but you have to build it yourself. So over the last nine years, we talk a lot about uh, how do we, you know, how do we prioritize different features, new things we want to add, all of that. And one of the the lenses that we look at really is uh, how is this going to impact the user experience? So even if we feel like, okay, if we build this integration or we add this feature, it's going to bring us in a whole ton of new customers. We want to make sure that whatever we add, we are going to maintain that that ease of use. And I agree it's overused, uh, but that is something that we talk about, maintaining that that user experience so that our existing customers don't get left behind or feel overwhelmed or anything like that. Uh, they signed on to use us for a reason, and we want to make sure that we continue to be a good experience for them. Let's jump into the resources part, because I also noticed the same thing when I was doing my research of how many articles there actually are. And I noticed a lot of guides and reports, um, quite a few of them, just to name a few, Meals on Wheels, Donor Experience, Free Clinic, Donor Experience, Buyer's Guide, How to Write Fundraising Plans. Like, Who's actually? I'm curious to know who's actually doing the research and the and the behind the scenes to be able to to produce these guides and reports. Mm. Lots of different people. Uh, so the, you mentioned the donor experiences. Uh, we have I have completed uh, eight of those this year. Well, two of them are almost done. Uh, so we did uh, Boys and Girls Club, Habitat for Humanity, Feeding America, Humane Societies. Uh, Meals on Wheels and free clinics. 
and I'm wrapping up uh, education foundations and park foundations. Uh, they'll be done relatively shortly. So I do uh, sort of, I guess you would call it the research for that, uh, where I donate $25 to 50 of those organizations, one in every state. And the idea there is that uh, I want to track the donor experience. So if I go to a random uh, Habitat website, how hard is it for me to find their Donate Now button? And then once I find that button, do I have options for how I'm going to donate or am I limited to only credit card? In other words, can I use Google Wallet or Apple Pay or Venmo or something like that? Or is it just credit cards? Uh, and then am I encouraged or allowed to leave uh, a gift in honor or in memory of someone? Can I designate which fund the gift drops into? Uh, what happens once I've put my credit card number in and hit submit? Am I on a third party website or am I back on the organization's website where I could learn more about some upcoming events or upcoming volunteer activities? And then what happens after that gift is made? Uh, do I get added to an email newsletter list? Do I get a thank you letter quickly? Or is it you know within five days, within 15 days, 30 days, more than 30 days? Uh, do I get a thank you phone call? We just talked about that a second ago. Is that part of their cadence? Uh, so I keep a spreadsheet of, uh, I haven't even counted, uh, honestly, but probably 50 or so columns uh, where I go through when I get an email. And I, oh, okay, good. This person or this group sent me a newsletter. So they get a check mark in that column. And I, I keep track of that. And I've been doing that all year. And then uh, some, some incredibly talented people with Bloomerang in our marketing department take those statistics and put them together in a PDF and make it downloadable so that then other Meals on Wheels, for instance, can kind of look and say, oh, okay, this is what the rest of us are doing. Here's some opportunities for us to do better because we can look and see that, oh, there are a lot of people who are doing uh, email newsletter uh, and, and adding that, adding new donors to that email newsletter list. That's not something we're doing right now. Maybe because we've never thought about it, it wouldn't be that hard to add those people to that list. So we're going to start doing that moving forward. Uh, so we look at it as as kind of an educational piece, best practices, uh, as you were talking about, Alex, and uh, and and are excited to continue to to put those out there so that other groups can look and see what they're doing, uh, and and kind of figure out where those opportunities to improve. And the same thing is true with a lot of those guides that you mentioned as well, where uh, we have the chance for for people who are looking for fundraising software to download an ebook that might walk them through maybe some things that they haven't thought about as they're considering what they want to purchase and what's important to them and that sort of thing. Uh, or maybe we have people who are running their first event and they want to dig in and find out how can they maximize that event, particularly on the back end after the event is done. How do we make sure that we get those donors coming back year after year? So we have an incredibly talented, wonderful group of people in our marketing department who are researching a lot of different, uh, you know, topics and uh, all, all kinds of different things that they're looking at and then compiling that information into those reports and making them downloadable. They do a really great job. I, I've seen it time and time again where nonprofits are really curious to know what other nonprofits are doing. And yet, for some reason, there isn't a, a better way of collaborating between nonprofits. Like it's, 
they want, kind of want to see what others are doing without sharing what they're doing themselves, which is a shame. <laughs> but I'm happy to hear that there are ways that they can see what others are doing. Absolutely. Um, and I think that what's so funny with that, Alex, is you're 100% right. There is some hesitancy there sometimes to to kind of really, truly collaborate. And it's a shame because... I don't know that I've seen any one single organization and I've donated to 800 of them now uh, or uh, 400, excuse me, 400 of them uh, this year. And I don't know that I've seen a single one do it perfectly. And I'm you know, using air quotes there, but I don't know that I've seen the perfect follow up cadence after a gift has, has been made. So I think what that tells me is that everybody has something to learn. Uh, so if you do collaborate, uh, go in with that feeling and that spirit of, okay, I'm going to learn from you. You're going to learn from me. We all have something to learn from each other because I think that's really, really true. I really hope one day we we do collaborate a little bit more because we can learn from each other. Mm-hmm. I know that part of the resistance for that, and this is more of a digression, but some organizations feel that there's only a certain amount of donors in the pot. And if you get it, then I don't get it kind of concept. Sure. Uh, I'm not quite sure that's true, but... That I think that's the general consensus of, uh, or at least the perception of consensus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I don't think that is true. I I think that uh, instead of thinking about it in terms of pie, we we should think about just the overall generosity of the American people. Uh, if you look at the overall donations for the last forty years, they just keep going up. It's up, 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 up. So it, it doesn't doesn't seem like it's a diminishing return, you know, pie. It seems like it's more of an ongoing waterfall. And uh, uh, the more that we can learn from each other to improve those processes, uh, the more likely we are to get those donors coming back year after year after they've donated. And that's a really good thing. It's a really good thing to work towards. I've heard the opposite, though. Maybe we're not talking about quite the same thing, but I've heard that year over year, there the amount of donations made ours is going down the overall dollars have have been rising for 40 years and the overall uh dollars i think stayed roughly the same that doesn't account for inflation uh so if you if you factor that in then they have dropped and then the number of donors has dropped uh so what that tells us is that uh, we're relying more and more on major donors uh, and and especially for the last couple of years with the pandemic not being able to do in-person events, uh, that's telling us that those small and mid-level donors have been left behind uh, because a lot of times the nonprofits were relying on events to bring those people in the door. Not being able to hold the events means we haven't been able to get those folks in, which means that we've kind of gone back to our major donors to say, hey, we really need your help. And those major donors have stepped up and they've met the challenge, but now there's a concern about donor fatigue for those folks specifically. So getting, hopefully, as you know, I've been going, I've been on the road a whole lot this year at conferences and that, you know, in person, that's telling me that we're getting back to normal to some extent. Uh, so hopefully as, as we're, we're moving back to that normal, uh, we're, we're going to keep holding those in-person events and get those small and mid-level donors back in the door. And then eventually, hopefully they'll transition and they'll become, uh, at least some of them will become major donors and we'll, we'll kind of get that pipeline back where it needs to be. I was wondering as you were talking, because I agree that, and I've heard, thank you for specifying, it's actually fewer donors, Mm -hmm. uh, but more or less the same amount of donation dollars. So a thought came into my head as you were talking about 
like when something becomes popular and in the sense that everyone or a lot of people are doing it, people want to kind of be part of the crowd. If people are donating more in general, it could encourage others to donate for the first time or redonate because they, they lapsed. And that's part of like, is there a way do you believe to encourage or somehow increase the number of don, don, donors to help everybody? And this is, goes back to that pie piece as well. Like, I'm not quite sure I'm framing, framing my question quite right, or am I? I get a sense that, and I'm trying to find even an analogy where sometimes we just need to have more awareness about something before it becomes more popular. And mm-hmm. if we can get donors to become more aware that donations are needed, that we have lapsed, we need to increase it, then collectively more than one nonprofit can come together and just to figure out a strategy so that everybody yes. wins because they're overall together able to get more donors. Yes. So I completely agree. Uh, we we ran another study just of our users in uh, oh, doing this off the top of my head. I believe this is correct. In March and April of 2020, we looked at organizations. So let's think back to that for a second. March and April of 2020, the world went sideways. No one knew what was going on. Uh, you know, we all lived in sweatpants for six weeks or whatever it was, probably longer than that. Uh, and and everything was up in the air. Uh, so we looked at organizations that communicated with their donors who were using Bloomerang uh, versus those that did not. So generally speaking, we saw nonprofits fall into one or two buckets, right? Either they they kind of turtled and they, they said, I don't know what's going on. I don't want to bother our donors. It feels intrusive for me to send an appeal out or anything like that. Uh, and no judgment on my part. Again, no one knew what the heck was going on. We were all shell-shocked and no one knew what was going to happen next or anything like that. Uh, but then we also looked at that second group and those people said, you know what? Everything's goofy. We don't know what's going to happen next. Hey, donors, we need your help. We really need you guys to step up and, and give to us uh, because we don't know what's going to happen next. And what we saw is that the organizations that did communicate uh, and did stay in front of their donors, their fundraising actually went up compared to the same time period the year before in 2019. Whereas the the organizations that did not communicate, their fundraising went down year over year during that same time period. So what that tells me is you're exactly right, Alex. Uh, We need to communicate that the findings of the Giving Institute, the findings of the fundraising effectiveness project are worrisome. That donors are down, donations are down. We're staying level with the dollars. That's great. That's really, really good news. But a lot of other key metrics are down and, and we need help. We need our donors to come back if they've lapsed. Uh, we need new donors. If they've never been a part of our giving ecosystem before, we need them to, to jump on in. Uh, we need them to, you know, do a little bit of research, figure out what they're passionate about. Uh, and then, yeah, I think we need to talk about all of this, uh, and, and let people know that we need help. Uh, and then I suspect based on that research that Bloomerang did and, and kind of based on what you're saying with almost, um, I hesitate to use the phrase peer pressure, but that was the word that uh, kind of came to my mind when you were talking. Uh, so, so, you know, based on all of that, I think, I think the American people will respond well. 
and will uh, jump on in and and you know try to to donate as much as they as much as they're comfortable with. But we need to let them know what's going on. I don't think peer pressure in this context is a negative word. It it, it is a positive. It's a yeah. peer pressure for a positive change. There we go. I like and that. And it's like yeah, <laughs> and it's like uh, Uber. Uber Eats, um, at least here in Canada, um, once COVID hit. They added an extra feature where you can tip the driver directly through the app, which was not previously uh, on the app before COVID. Right. And you know, since COVID is still there, and I think it's a great way to, to your point earlier, is that those those form in, those are the kinds of organizations that fall into the latter camp where, hey, we're not quite sure what's going to happen here, but these in this case, these drivers are putting themselves out of their way and in harm's way uh, to deliver the food for you. Can yes. you, you know, make a contribution toward them? And and I don't know any numbers or uh, numbers or statistics for that, but I started using it, um, and I feel good as a result of it because they, I agree that the the concept, the messaging behind it was well done, and I did want the to acknowledge the my gratitude toward the drivers. Right. Exactly. So, so if we yep. can find a, ways of doing that in the case of nonprofits and fundraising, I would love it. I. I couldn't agree more. I think you're. I think we're on the same page completely. I think it's a wonderful idea and a wonderful way, if we can figure out how to message that, you know, at, almost as an industry together, uh, it would be a really great way to to let people know what's going on. Going back to the reports for a second, I had the feeling, and I wanted you to just confirm these reports are more or less independent of the platform. These are just basically nonprofit strategies, best practices, yes. fundraising. It, I mean, there might. Well, you tell me, but. I didn't get the sense that there was actually connections to, okay, now that you have this um, report, here's how you could do things in Bloomerang. It's more like, here's a report, have fun with it, and, and hopefully it'll help you at some point in the future. Yes, exactly. Um, you're, you're spot on. Uh, we have released a, a donor retention calculator where people can plug in their existing donor retention number, their average gift size, couple of other things and then play around and see, okay, if we increased our donor retention by 5%, here's what would happen. Here are the gains we would make. Um, and it has nothing to do with the Bloomerang platform. It's, it's just a tool that can help people to understand how important retaining their donors is and the kind of gains that they can make with really minimal levels of improvement when it comes to retention. Uh, we've got, you know, press release templates, uh, out there and, and all kinds of things that, as you said, really don't have much, if anything, to do with Bloomerang, but they're really helpful tools for nonprofits that, you know, may otherwise struggle to find that sort of thing that that would be a huge time saver and enormously helpful for them. So uh, we, we try pretty hard to, um, you know, not not have a bunch of commercials for lack of a better word, on those resources. Yes, we would love if people would use those resources and, and then when they're in the market for a donor database, hopefully they will remember and say, oh, that was really useful. I Yeah, I should at least take a look at Bloomerang if we're evaluating multiple companies. Uh, but it's not, uh, the, the main thrust really genuinely is to be helpful. We, we want one nonprofits to have some tools available for them, to them, that that maybe weren't available uh, before. I was wondering if you could share a, a moment in the past nine years that you were most proud of uh, through Bloomerang or through any experience you've had as a result of working with Bloomerang. 
There are a lot of features that we've added that that I'm particularly happy with, but I I think the ones that always get to me are the customer stories. Uh, so there's a uh, um, an organization in Richmond, uh, Virginia called uh, Safe Harbor, and um, uh, their development director and I worked literally for years. Uh, we would touch base, you know, a couple times a year and, and she would say, ah, James, I really want this, really want to make this happen, but <sighs> it's just not in the budget this year. Or, you know, they want some more information, but I don't think it's ready quite yet. You know, it kind of kept getting pushed off and kept getting pushed off. And, uh, finally, after several years, uh, she, she, I, I will never forget that day. She called me. She was ecstatic. She said, all right, we're ready to go. Let's do this. Got everything lined up, got her, you know, taken care of, got the data out of whatever the system was that they were using, got it into Bloomerang. Uh, and then I remember walking into a conference uh, the next year, maybe 18 months later or something like that. Uh, and and she was I was I was presenting something and she kind of startled me because she ran up and gave me a big hug uh, out of nowhere and, and said, I'm just so happy to see you. Um, our fundraising has gone up by 45% or, or something like that, uh, in the less than a year that we've had Bloomerang and it's been live and all of that. Uh, our fundraising is already going up because you've, you've made things, uh, just easier for us. Uh, and, and the other staff are not hiding from using Bloomerang like they were with whatever the other system was. The other staff is engaged. They're on board. They want to get into the system because, again, it, it's not intimidating. It's not daunting. Uh, it's a happy experience for them. They enjoy using it. So they do use it, therefore. And that means that uh, our numbers are going up. Our fundraising is, is looking better. Everybody's happy. Uh, everybody's saying, gosh, we we probably should have done this earlier. Um, which, which made her feel really good too. So, uh, lots of stories like that, um, where somebody jumped in and, and started using the email tool for the first time, or they started using, uh, you know, the new, uh, uh, fundraising event platform or whatever it is. And, and the ROI on those, uh, got them really excited. So I, I, one of the reasons I like to go to conferences is I like to talk to our users and, and, there are times, uh, thankfully, not all that often, but every once in a while, we'll run across someone that's a little frustrated with something. And normally, we can get it straightened out while we're there at the conference. So that's also a great feeling. But nine out of 10 times, we talk to somebody who's just overwhelmed at, at how thankful they are that that they made the switch to us and how much better their fundraising is. And, and you know, they're they're just really happy to have made that switch. And so, <clears throat> pardon me, when I hear that, that they've had such success with the platform, whether it's a childhood cancer foundation or a YMCA or a free clinic or whatever it is. And I hear that their fundraising has gone up. That, that brings me the most joy. Um, I'm proud of a lot of features that we have, but anytime I hear that fundraising has gone up that dramatically, it, it brings a big smile to my face. I think this is one of the most rewarding parts of working in the nonprofit space is the sense of gratitude that they have. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's it's there's nothing like it. I, you know, the fact and because it's not just a gratitude of them. Oh my goodness, you know, this report allows me to do my work so much easier or simplifies what I need to do. Because that's awesome, but it's also 
And as a result of that, here is the impact to the community and to people's lives. And that to me is, is really that. the, um, the golden, uh, cherry that I don't know. It's the, it to me, it's, it's amazing. And that's what, um, keeps me coming back as well. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. When I hear that the, you know, my, my habitat an hour away from me has been using Bloomerang for seven years and they looked at their fundraising before and after and they've done so well with it. That enables them to get out there and build two more houses a year. And I, that's, I, that's fantastic. Yeah. That's, that's the best feeling that, uh, that you could ever ask for. So looking forward into the future, and we didn't really talk about AI because you know everybody's talking about AI, but and I don't believe AI is in the platform just yet. So you've had tremendous growth, you know, five hundred to seventeen thousand ish clients in the last nine years. Mm-hmm. What would you or what can you say about what the future for the platform is? Uh, is there a component of AI that's planned? Is there any other major things that you can share with us? So I think we're starting to look at adding more automation into the system for sure. Uh, we'd like to, uh, and, and some of that very well may and probably will include AI, I, I have to imagine. Uh, I, I think what we want to do is continue to do things purposefully through that prism of making sure it's still an easy platform for people to adopt and use while also freeing them up to uh, really make meaningful connections with their donors. Uh, so if there is a, uh, a cadence for first-time donors that includes phone calls, couple of emails, volunteer invitation, yeah, you know, whatever else people want included on there, if we can automate some of that for them uh, beyond what we're doing now, then that really does free up their time uh, and allows for them to uh, you know, get out there and and build those relationships better and better, which uh, again will lead to more donors coming back, and that will allow them to expand their mission and all of those wonderful things that we're talking about. Uh, so I, I think that's going to be in the short term something that we're we're going to build in pretty quickly next year. Long term, what I see with us is, uh, you know, Salesforce has done a really great job of really almost building a an ecosystem. Uh, especially if, if you think of, uh, you know, uh, the really big nonprofits and the needs that they have with integrations and their systems talking to each other and seamlessly sending data back and forth and all of that. Uh, I, I think that's, that's somewhere that we want to start exploring as well. Uh, so we do have integrations with MailChimp and we're wrapping up constant contact and, you know, we've got QuickBooks online and there's all kinds of stuff that we have uh, already integrations with. But I, I think what we'd like to do is continue to do it very purposefully and do it very carefully, but continue to build out our partnerships and our partner programs with consultants and, uh, um, you know, other software and all of that to make sure that we're bringing the best value available to our clients and to our prospective clients to make sure that we're serving them as effectively as we possibly can. Awesome. James, this has been very insightful. I'm curious if you could just then share with people, um, if they wanted to get in touch with you, learn more about yourself or learn more about Bloomerang, how can they do that? Yeah, my email is james.golder, G-O-A-L-D-E-R, at bloomerang.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn. Would be happy to connect with anybody there. We can chat over 
you know, either of those by email or LinkedIn, happy to answer any questions. Or if someone wants to take a look at Bloomerang, that's uh, not me anymore, but I can certainly find you somebody to, to have that conversation with. So more than happy to, to chat with anyone about uh, anything, really. Awesome. James, thank you so much for joining me today. Of course. Thank you for having me, Alex. I appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. All right, that's it for today. I'm Alexander Lapa, and I hope you join me again in the next Agents of Nonprofits.